0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, beautiful friends. You know, every, every time I get to... Get to stand before you and, and, and speak God's word to you. It is just, I cannot express to you what, uh, as I see you and I, uh, and I look at you and, and I stand before you, just what an absolute joy and a privilege and an honor it is. As I look at just you beautiful and precious people to come and speak God's word. To you, God's people. So blessed, so honored, and so grateful for this moment, for this opportunity to just gather as a group of people around God's word and to hear God speak to us. You know, I'm just I'm just constantly reminded about just how fragile life is, how quickly things change. And you know, when When everything is stripped away, all that matters, really, all that matters is your relationship with God. It actually, if you think about it, is all that you have. And so because this relationship with, with my God and my Saviour and my Creator is is really the most important thing in life. It should be the thing that has all of our attention and all of our focus. And the thing is God longs to speak to us, God longs to to just draw near to us god 's longing to be in an intimate relationship with you and me and He 's given us this great this great vehicle, this great tool, this great gift to grow in this precious all that matters relationship that 's called prayer, and that 's why for me this This series is so important because I think it's important that we talk about prayer, about this thing that will help us grow closer in this one relationship that matters above all others. Prayer. You know, the thing about prayer is that there's this this almost ironic twist in that The more God blesses us, we touched on this last week, but the more God blesses us, the less we pray. You know, we pray that God will bless us, and then God does, and then life is so good because I'm blessed, and then what do we do? Well, we do what we all do, we kind of, and we, it's not intentional, but it kind of happens. We kind of take God as life is good, and, and we're blessed, and we've got stuff to do, and places to be, and people to see. We kind of take God, and we put Him in the closet, and we say, God, you stay there, I'll get back to you later when, you know, life's not so good. And so in this ironic thing, it's like we pray that God blesses us. God blesses us, and the more He blesses us, the less we pray. And the less we pray, the more anemic our spiritual lives become. And so this series is to encourage each and every one of us through the sermons on Sunday, through the daily devotions that I've put together for you, that you will hear That God will will put in your heart again a longing, a longing to hear Him, to be with Him as if face to face like a friend we saw with Moses last week. And that's that's what this is about. That's what the series is about. And so to help us do that, to help us gather around prayer, to think about prayer and talk about it, I decided to take some well-known characters in the Bible and, and, and to see, okay, well, let's look at their lives. Let's look at their their ups and downs. Let's look at their, their highs and lows and struggles and how they prayed and, and how their prayer lives and their, the different seasons of life, how they managed to to draw close to God and at the end of, of their lives managed to, to have a beautiful and meaningful life relationship with their God. And so last week, we looked at Moses. Today, we're going to touch on David. Now, to be fair and to be honest with you, you know, David, we can talk for a year (laughs) about David. And so for me to squish this into 20, 30 minutes is going to be a tough job to do. And so we're just going to skim the surface, but I want us to talk about David. I want us to look at David. I want us to look at kind of David and the Psalms in particular, and his highs and lows, and how the Psalms and the role that the Psalms played in his life, and how he prayed, and, and how God used the Psalms and his prayers to just really get him to a place, despite all the messing up and the mistakes and the ups and downs, how God used the Psalms in his prayers and his prayer life, how God got him to a place where God could say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Words that I think we all want to hear. So let's have a look at the Psalms and David. And I really urge you, will you take the coming weeks to say, God, I, I want to get into prayer. I really want to spend more time with you. So, uh, 73 of the Psalms are attributed to David, and Psalms really, if we start with the Psalms, and we'll look at David's life just now. So, so the Psalms really are prayers set to music. If you if you look at the Psalms. Many of you will know if you take a normal Bible and you, and you open it right in the middle, where do you get? Where do you open up? The Psalms. Okay, If it's a study Bible and lots of study notes, and it doesn't quite work so well. But if you just take a normal Bible, you open the middle, you get to the Psalms. And I suppose maybe maybe in some way it's, it's, it's symbolic almost for the Psalms and what they are. I think, the, I think the Psalms are the heart and soul of the Bible. And I think it's because the Psalms are the prayers of God's people. And we see the prayers of God's people in all of life's seasons, the highs and the lows. It's not sugary, syrupy, churchified prayers. It's real. It's honest. It's raw. I love it. And we see just the real lives and how they engage with God, how they sing to God, how they pray to God. And I believe God has given us a great gift of the Psalms to help us pray in our prayer life. And so I suppose today's message, really, I can just say in one line and then I can go and sit down and then you've got 22 minutes and 30 seconds left to spare, is pray the Psalms. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (coughs) Great sermon. Well done, Paul. Um, Let's talk about the Psalms. You know, the Psalms are at the heart of, as I said, of Scripture. You know, the early church taught it. They sang them. They prayed them. In fact, Jesus himself, some of the very last words that Jesus said whilst hanging on the cross, he quoted a psalm. He prayed a psalm, Psalm 22. The psalms are important when we talk about prayer and growing more intimately in our prayer life the psalms are central they're central and important for many reasons i want to touch on two of them quickly i think f- the first one i touched on last week praying the psalms is so important because number 1 we we are creatures of habit and we so quickly get into a routine and a habit with our prayer lives Spoke about this last week. We pray the same thing at the same time, in the same way, with the same words. Using the same vocabulary, and we just, that's how we are. And we get stuck in our prayer lives. And it becomes routine. But the beautiful thing about the Psalms, as we, as we use the Psalms to, to help us to pray, to launch our prayer lives from is the Psalms give us, it opens up our prayer lives. It gives us new words, gives us new vocabulary, new ways of, of seeing things and saying things and praying and talking to God about things. But probably the second and most important reason, I think, why the Psalms are so important when it comes to your prayer life is this. Because as you read and study the Psalms, you come to discover very quickly that the Psalms are reflective of every season of life. Every season that you can find yourself in in life, you will find it in the Psalms. So no matter where you're at in life, what you're feeling, what you're going through, you'll find it in the Psalms. Somebody in the Psalms have been at that same place that you're at. And so the Psalms then from that perspective gives us wisdom. It helps us to understand the season of life that I'm in as I read it, as I pray it, as I reflect upon it, as I use it as the base and foundation for me to talk with God and to get closer to God in the season of life. It helps me understand the season I'm in. It gives me wisdom for knowing how to live in the season it helps me to put words to the season that I'm in. I know where I'm at, but I don't know how to pray about it. The Psalms help me to pray through the season that I'm in. So today's message is about, friends, we're talking about prayer. Here's hot tip for today. If you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to pray, you are stuck in your prayer life, or you just want to take that next step in your prayer life, pray the Psalms. Get into the Psalms and pray them. So the Psalms represent all the seasons of life. I want to talk with us a little bit about that. You remember, maybe some of you will remember, during COVID, I, I, I spoke about the Dragonlands. And I spoke about Walter Brueggemann, a, a famous, well-known, respected Old Testament scholar. And he talks about the seasons of life that we find ourselves in. And he, and he speaks about three distinct seasons. The first he calls season of orientation. The season of Orientation. Now, the season of orientation is that time in life that we've prayed for. God, will you bless me? Will you help my life to be oriented? Will you like, Lord, please can things go well? And then God answers us. And then we have the seasons when things are great. Your team's winning. Your kids have passed their exams. Your wife says she still loves you. You know, things are great. Life is the way it should be. And it's in those moments, in those seasons, where we find those psalms of, of singing joy and victory, those psalms that speak about the glory and the greatness of God. And in the, in the season of orientation, I want to say thank you, Lord, but I just keep saying thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. I'm surely I can say something else. Get into a psalm of orientation. And see how the psalmist prayed that some, and you will use new words. I mean, for example, let me give you an example of a psalm of orientation. Psalm 1 gives us wisdom. Someone, blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You know, someone, right? Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Here's a good example of a psalm of orientation, Psalm 19. Heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming His handiwork. Now, I mean, when when was the last time you prayed those words? I don't have those kinds of words, but I get into the psalm, and I'm in a season of orientation, and life's good, and I'm happy with God, and I want to pray and talk to God, and I want to tell God, well then, oh, Lord, the heaven is declaring your glory. Oh, God, the sky tonight, as I look at the stars, is proclaiming your handiwork. Aren't you great, God? Now, look, the one thing we know about seasons of orientation, just so by the way, if you're interested, come to me afterwards. I can give you a bit of a list of what Psalms fit in what season. We can talk about that just now. I scribbled it down on the back of my notes there. You can take a photo if you want. The one thing, the one thing we know about seasons of orientation is that they don't last forever. Right? Okay. Wish they would, but they don't. Seasons of orientation don't last forever. And I think maybe with good reason, because it's in seasons of orientation that we tend to do what? Okay, God, will you go in the cupboard? I'll get back to you when I'm in a season of disorientation, which is the next season that Walter Bruchemann talks about in life. So we have seasons of orientation, and then for whatever reason, either I've drifted away from God. Life is so good, I, I forget to pray, and I and 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 go, my relationship with God is not my top priority anymore. And before I know it, I find myself in a season of disorientation. I feel far from God. I feel like I've drifted from God. I feel like my prayers are just, when I do pray, just bounce against the ceiling. God doesn't hear me, and I'm not hearing God. And I find myself in seasons of disorientation, or maybe someone's hurt you. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe the economy has gone crazy. Whatever it might be, we find ourselves in seasons of disorientation. Well, guess what? There are psalms of disorientation that will help you to make sense of that season that you're in, that will help you understand it, that will help you put words to it, that will help you to pray it and talk to God about it. Psalm 13 is a good example of a psalm of disorientation. Shall I read it for you? How long will you forget me, Lord? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I be left to my own wits? Agony fill my heart. How long will agony fill my heart, Lord? Daily? How long will my enemy keep defeating me? Psalm of disorientation. A great way when you're in that season to pull out Psalm 13. God, yes, with this psalm it wrote, that's me. With this psalm, that's it right there, what, what he said. That's my prayer. Another psalm of disorientation I mentioned already, Psalm 22. Jesus prayed it at the most... Terrible time of his life on the cross. There he is. So, if there's any reason to pray the Psalms to back up what I'm saying, well, look at Jesus. He prayed Psalm 22, verse 1 on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm of disorientation. The one thing, as a side note, that all these Psalms of disorientation have in common except maybe one. It's just as we spoke about Moses last week. You know, God speaks to Moses and God calls him. And in the end, you know, Moses pushes back and he and he's pushing back and he has objections saying, God, yes, but and so on and so on. But in the end, Moses said, Yes, Lord, didn't he? Now, if you go and read all the Psalms of disorientation, they're full of complaints. God, how long will you turn your face from me? Why Have you deserted me? My God, why have you forsaken me? And so there's complaints and there's disorientation and there's pain and anguish and struggle. But you'll look, almost all of them end this way. In you I put my trust. You are my fortress and my strength. That's how they end. If you want to know how to pray in these tough, difficult seasons, pull out a psalm of disorientation. If you want to take your prayer life to the next level, if you want something to help you facilitate that that intimacy, that growth with God, get into the psalms. And then we move into kind of the third season, just as what seasons of Orientation do not last forever, so too seasons of disorientation do not last forever. And then we find ourselves in the third season, and Walter Brueggemann calls this seasons of reorientation. And so you have the circular, and we see it in our own lives, we see it in the lives of these biblical characters. David is a classic example of the cycle of orientation, disorientation, reorientation. We find, and so seasons of reorientation is when things are looking up again. You know, you finally, you've been looking for a job for a long time, and finally you get that job. You know, things are are improving. What do you feel? You feel joy. How do I pray in the season of reorientation? Well, there are psalms that will help you. Psalm 30 is a classic example of a psalm of reorientation. Psalm 30, let me read it for you a little bit. I exalt you, Lord, because you have pulled me back up. <laughs> you didn't let my enemies celebrate over me. Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help, and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from the grave, brought me back to life from among those going down to the pits. For every season of life, there is a psalm. They are a gift from God to help us pray, to draw us closer to Him, to give us wisdom for where we find ourselves at in life. And if you are stuck and not knowing how to pray or what to pray, I encourage you, open up to the book of Psalms. I want to ask you, first of all, okay, let's talk a little bit very quickly. How do I pray the Psalms? Okay, well, here are a couple of tips. Uh, First thing, ask yourself, what season do I find myself in right now? As you look at that cycle, those seasons, I ask you, um, where are you? Where are you? What's your season? Orientation? disorientation, reorientation, where are you? So you find, first of all, what season of life am I in? And then you find the psalm that, that, that kind of fits that season. I mean, if you are in a season of uh, orientation, then a psalm of disorientation is just going to depress you and it's not going to, well, it's not really helpful for me right now. So you know what season you're in, then you find the psalm that fits that season, and it's okay to do that. And then secondly, I think what you do then is, and again, as I said, if you want maybe a bit of a list to help you, very soon as you read the Psalms, you'll figure out, okay, this is a Psalm of orientation or a Psalm of disorientation. You can figure it out. But if you want a bit of a starter list, you can come and take a photo of my sermon notes at the back there, uh, which are the Psalms of orientation, disorientation, just to help you find Psalms for the season of life that you're in. But then what you do after that is, and then you have to feel under no obligation to pray the entire Psalm. I mean, even Jesus didn't do that. He, he would pull verses from the Psalm and he would quote, you know, just verses. And so what you do is, well, firstly, what season, season am I at? Find the right Psalm for the season of your life, right? Then, secondly, is you, sorry, I forgot this. Secondly, you, you read it out loud. I mean, Psalms were meant to be sung, Right. So I want to encourage you, don't just sit and just kind of in quiet or mumbling there. Let your brain hear it. Let your ears hear it. Read the psalm out loud. It just does something when you read it and you hear it. And once you've read it, then you say, okay, Lord, I don't have to pray this whole entire psalm because undoubtedly there'll be a verse or two that will speak to your soul. God's Spirit will use a verse or two to speak to you. Then pick those couple of verses that God's drawing you to, and pray those verses. Let me give you an example. Psalm 62 is a good example of this. So Psalm 62 says, my soul finds rest in God alone. So the first two verses I love, and so just the other day, I was drawn to Psalm 62, and just the first two verses. So I was praying just the first two verses. Verse three onwards, not that great, because it talks about people um, that hate you and want to throw you off a wall. So I'm like, okay, God, I... I don't know of anybody that wants to throw me off a wall. So, you know, I'm gonna leave verse three. I want to focus on verse one and two. And verse one and two, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. And I read it. Now I've read it out loud. And now and now the next step is now I pray it. I'm like, Lord, you have saved me a thousand times. You see, and so I use the Psalms to launch into my prayers as I read it. I, I remember, Lord, for that time, you saved me and you helped me. He is my rock and my salvation. Oh, Lord, talk about rock. Lord, I, 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 I sometimes rely on this and I rely on that because I think that's going to help me. But I just realize at the end of the day that you're my rock. You're the only thing that doesn't shake. You're the only one on which I can truly rely. And so I pray it. You see what I mean? I read it and then I pray it and God's spirit will help you. And before you know it, you're praying lines and things you've never prayed before. You're praying in a new and a fresh way. And as you pray, you hear God's voice and you feel drawn in closer to God than just the morning out of the shower, quickly close on before I rush out the door, or maybe I've rushed out the door and I'm in the car. God, thank you for the day. Please be with me. Um, amen. Get home in bed. It's been a long day. God, thank you for today. Thank you that I'm still alive. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the food. Amen. Pray the Psalms. Okay. David, quickly. Five minutes and we'll be David. Okay. Okay. So, okay, look. All that I'll do with David is this. I want us to quickly run through his life and then see how God used the Psalms, his prayers, to shape his life, to to protect him, to keep him, and how... The Psalms and his prayers and his prayer life, really, because he had an intimate prayer life. I think, you know, the Bible says that uh, David was a man after God's own heart, right? And I wonder what that heart is. I think it's many things, but I think one of the things is it's a prayerful heart. I think David had a prayerful heart. And I think because of that, and we see it reflected in the Psalms, he had a worshipful heart. He had a teachable heart. But he had a prayerful heart. And I think because of that, as we read in 1 Chronicles, which tells us David's story, which, by the way, I mean, the author of 1 Chronicles just tidies it up beautifully. You know, this, it's like a beautiful, sweet story. But then you read 1 and 2 Samuel, and that author of 1 and 2 Samuel telling David's story must have worked for the tabloid press because it was just like, you know, not a clean story. He just tells it like it is. But we read 1 Chronicles, we read David's life, and we get to the end of his life, and we, and we just read where just God just was faithful and when he breathed his last. He did so as a man faithful to God and God faithful to him. And I think the Psalms are integral in that. So I want to show you how the Psalms just affected and shaped his life and how God wants to do the same for us. So when we talk about prayer, tip for today, get into the Psalms. Okay, so David David was born in Bethlehem. Who else do you know that was born in Bethlehem? Jesus. A lot of similarities between David and Jesus, by the way. Uh, we don't really have time for that, but just quickly. Uh, David, 30, when he became king. Jesus, 30, when he went into public ministry. They both prayed and cried and wept on the Mount of Olives. Lots of similarities between David and Jesus. But anyway, different sermon. Um, so he was the seventh son of Jesse. And the story begins why, uh, where, where the prophet Samuel comes to um, uh Jesse, uh, David's dad, and he says, listen, the new king of, or the next king of Israel is coming from one of your boys. And so Jesse's excited. He brings the best boy. Okay, this one. Must be tall, dark, handsome, you know, fit, strong, muscles, all the rest. But surely it's him. Samuel goes, no, no, not him. Okay, well, I've got another one. He brings number two. And so the story repeats itself. And eventually they get after six boys. And Samuel is just shaking his head. No, not him. And like Jesse myself, well, like, surely not. Surely not. David. That kid? Samuel goes, surely you've got more kids. He said, yeah, well, I've got one more. But, you know, yeah, bring him. So they get old David out from the field. He was a shepherd. like, yep, that's him. That's him. And I wonder why, because I think maybe David spent a lot of time in the desert out looking after sheep and and so on. And I think during that time alone with sheep and goats, I'm sure they're learning how to play his harp. Maybe that's where many of the Psalms were written, where the Psalms are born out in the field there. Maybe Psalm 23, maybe as he sat there looking at the sheep and he must have like, as he's playing his harp, he must have been like, God, you are my, Lord, you're my shepherd. With you, I lack nothing. Man of God's own heart. And so they time alone in, in the fields, you know, the Psalms and his prayers, and God used that to shape his life. Anyway, he becomes king. We read the story about David and Goliath. You know the story of David and Goliath? He's this great giant. Nobody wants to fight him. Everybody's too scared. David comes, what's wrong with you guys? I'll fight him. Laugh at him, but he doesn't care. He goes, he fights. This giant, and I'm sure as he was walking over to this giant, he must have done a lot of praying, a lot of psalm writing, maybe Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And kaboof, there goes the giant. Right? Anyway, and so then he finds himself in a, in a season of disorientation. Now he, so, so now he knows he's going to be king, but Saul also knows it, and Saul doesn't like it. And Saul's hunting him, and he's in the wilderness, and he's in caves. He's a season of disorientation. God, where are you? And so many of the Psalms of disorientation were born out of that place. He's prayers and he's communing with God, and God's given us the Psalms to help us, to draw us closer to him. Anyway, uh, then eventually he becomes king, and he finds himself in a season of orientation. And we read the Psalms about God, you are great, Lord, you are good. And then eventually the season of orientation carries on for a few years, and all of a sudden we don't read any more Psalms of God, you are great, Lord, you're so wonderful. Because what's happened to his great faith, what happens to all of us, he took God and put God in the closet. God, you wait there, I'll get back to you later. Because life was now good. I'm now king. And he's in a season of disorientation. In fact, one day he's on a rooftop and he sees a beautiful lady. She's married to someone else, but he doesn't care. The signs were there already. In 1 Chronicles we read, in Samuel also we read, there's this key line where we knew, oh boy, there's trouble coming. It was the king's duty to go out with his army to go and fight. But there's this line that says, and King David stayed at home when his army went out to fight. Woo-hoo! Something's changed. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. He's staying at home. Life's good. Yeah, you guys go and fight. And he's on the rooftop one day. He sees this beautiful lady, another man's wife. He doesn't care. And he commits adultery with her. And he thinks it's okay. He thinks thinks that everything's fine. Life will just carry on. Then he gets a message. Uh, King David, um, I'm pregnant. That's a problem. Okay, wait. I've got a plan. Okay, right, so he sends, he writes a letter to the generals because the lady's husband, Uriah, was out fighting battles. Okay, bring him back. So he gets Uriah back and he says, okay, Uriah, you've done such a great job fighting for me. Here's your reward. Go home and sleep with your wife. Trying to cover up his sin. Well, it kind of backfires because Uriah goes, no, how can I do that? My men are out fighting and dying. I'm not going to go sleep with my wife. No, I'm going to stay here at the palace on your doorstep. David goes, ah, that didn't work. Comes up with another plan. Okay, let me get him drunk. I'm going to get him drunk and then like, go and sleep with your wife. Still, it doesn't work. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. David, ah, what am I going to do? Season of disorientation. Far from God. Okay, and so he gets, he writes a letter to the generals on the front. He says, okay, here what you do. I'm going to send Uriah back to you. And in the heat of battle, you put him on the front line. In the heat of battle, you draw all the troops back. You withdraw them. But don't tell Uriah. And he seals the letter, and he gives the letter to Uriah to take to the front lines, carrying his own death sentence. You know the story. Uriah's killed. What does David do? He swoops in the euro uh, as the euro. Okay, don't worry, Besheba. I will take Uriah's wife to be mine. I'll care for her. What a great guy. A man after God's own heart. Season of disorientation. Nathan, prophet, comes to him. David, did you really think God didn't see And here is why I think he's a man of God's own heart. David saw, and he fell to his knees, and he repents, and he prays again this tremendous prayer, this tremendous psalm of disorientation, which I have prayed a thousand times before myself, Psalm 51. Oh, have mercy on me, God. According to your faithful love, wipe away my wrongdoings. According to your great compassion, God, forgive me. Wash me completely clean of my guilt. If you've ever messed up and you want to know what to pray and how to pray, Psalm 51 is your prayer. Purify me from my sin. And then verse 10, oh, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Put a new, faithful spirit deep inside me. Please don't throw me away from your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Return the joy of my salvation to me and put a right spirit within me. I think maybe that's Psalm 51. And he prays it. I love the Psalms because as I read them, I am reminded of who God is, who I am. And as I see and God restores David, and, I, and I'm just reminded as I read them what God wants to do for me. And when I mess up, and, and I'm reminded that when I come to God with repentance and ask him to forgive me, he does for me what he did for David. And the Psalms is that that place of connecting with God as I pray it, as I read it, as I sing it. And God does for me what he does for, for David. I'm finished. Don't worry about it. The rest of David's life is a mixture of seasons of orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And the Psalms are there to reflect it. His life was made up of highs and lows, tragedy and trauma, and great triumph. You know, he, his children made his life a misery. You know, he had a son who raped a daughter. He had another son who killed somebody. So he was dealing with rape and murder. And, and so he was struggling with this. And then we read 1 Chronicles. Like I said at the end, uh, the author of 1 Chronicles says, and David comes to the end of his life and he had a good life. And he loved God and God loved him. And I wonder as David breathed his last breath I wonder what he prayed maybe this the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing he makes me lie down in green pastures why don't you join me as we read in closing the rest of Psalm 23 he leads me You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.